0: Welcome back to Field Notes by Ag Choice, an educational podcast focused on inspiring growth in our families, businesses, and rural communities. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the third and final episode of our Farm Transition Planning Podcast Series. This is our first ever podcast takeover with Pennsylvania FarmLink, where we'll explore farm succession planning, business planning, and more. If you missed the first and second conversations within this series, we encourage you to go back and explore those episodes as well. Without further ado, I'll kick it over to Darlene to get us started.
1: I'm Darlene Livingston, your host, and I'm also Executive Director of PA FarmLink and operate a livestock and crop farm with my family in Indiana County. Today's guest is Jody anderson lady Attorney with Stock and Leader, a law firm in York, PA. Jodi has a passion for agriculture and helping farmers put succession and estate plans in place. She'll share her perspectives on legal considerations for farm transition. Jodi, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's start by having you tell us more about yourself and why agriculture is important to you. I grew up in
2: southeastern York County, In Pennsylvania. And I am the granddaughter of uh, beef cattlemen on one side of the family and orchard and fruit producers on the other side of my family. I still live in the area, actually within a stone's throw of my mom's family farm. And our area is still very agricultural in nature. And I really respect and admire the farming community and really kind of feel fortunate to still live in a farming community and fortunate to be able to serve them.
1: And I know I've always found those with agriculture roots also are those who serve farmers best. So thank you, <laughs> Jody. Farm transitions can be overwhelming. What's the first step that any farm family should take to prepare for the successful transition process? I think the first step
2: is really to create a team to help the family accomplish this. And by create a team I mean it takes a good accountant, it takes a good financial advisor, and it takes a good attorney to all work with that family to achieve the transition and make it successful. I think that's one. The second one is to really kind of verbalize it with the members of the family. Recognize that this needs to be talked about and talk about the one, two, or three elephants that are in the room, have those hard conversations. And again, that's where your accountant and your financial advisor and your attorney can kind of help guide you through those conversations.
1: Great. Thank you. Now, let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, taxes. Could you walk our listeners through the tax implications of Transitions?
2: There are essentially three taxes that you have to be aware of. One is the Pennsylvania Inheritance Tax. One is the Federal Capital Gains Tax. And the other is the Federal Estate and Gift Tax. The federal estate and gift tax is not as much of a factor as it used to be because the amount that you can give away either during your lifetime or at your death has been increased to about $11.5 million per person. That means that there is no federal estate or gift tax assessed until you have given away more than $11.5 million per person, which means that you're really looking at about $23 per cup. So that's not as much of a concern as it used to be. Now, that's also the one that they call the death tax. That's the one that Congress kind of monkeys with every now and again. So it's definitely something to keep your eye on, to read articles. If you see an article in the newspaper that references the death tax, read it. Keep yourself apprised as to what's going on because that amount will change. In terms of the Pennsylvania Inheritance Tax, It doesn't matter if you pass away with $1 or $1 million, the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue wants their share. The tax rate is based on the relationship between the person that passed away and the person that inherits. If the person that inherits is a spouse, there is 0% tax. But if anything is inherited by direct lineal descendants... Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, parents, grandparents, the tax rate is 4.5%. For siblings, the tax rate is 12%. And for everybody else, it's 15%. The great thing about the Pennsylvania Inheritance Tax, which kind of is a, an ironic statement, isn't it? Um, you don't often say something's great when you're talking about taxes. But our legislature passed two agricultural exemptions a number of years ago, which means that... The two exemptions are basically this. The one exemption exempts agricultural property. There are certain requirements. It must be inherited by members of the same family, and that does include siblings and nieces and nephews, and that exemption exempts all agricultural property, meaning land, buildings, but it requires a continued certification every year for seven years that that land has produced agricultural products of at least $2,500 a year. So there's a continuing obligation and it has to be physically farmed by that family You can't lease out the ground to somebody else. That does not count. The other agricultural exemption only applies if direct descendants inherit it. It only applies to the land. It does not apply to buildings on the land. So it does not apply to the farmhouse or the barns, just the land. It also would apply, however, to agricultural commodities. For that one, there is no required certification. It's a once-and-done exemption. The Pennsylvania Inheritance Tax is not as big of a monster in the room that it used to be because of these exemptions. We're very fortunate in Pennsylvania that our legislature recognized the importance of agricultural and the importance of Farmland being able to be retained by the next generation so that they can continue the family farm and created these exemptions. It really is a, a real benefit to our agricultural families. Capital gains taxes come into the analysis because if you sell something, the capital gains tax that you have to pay is determined by your basis in that property. A real simplified explanation of basis is Basis is what I pay for something. So if I buy an investment property for $100,000, that's my basis. Now, obviously it's not as simple as that, but this is a a simplified version. So if I sell that investment property for $125,000, I have made a gain of $25,000 and that will be subject to the capital gains tax. If I inherit the family farm when my parents pass away, I get a step up in basis, which means my basis is the value of that farm at the date that my parents passed away. If my parents gift me the family farm, I take their basis. If they bought the family farm in 1967 for $8,500, that is now my basis if they gift it to me. If they were gifted the property from my grandparents, well, then their basis was whatever the grandparents paid for it. So you can see how when you are gifted an asset or gifted a farm, your basis is very low. And then if you sell an agricultural preservation easement, or if you ever sell any of the farm or part of the farm or whatever, there will be substantial capital gains tax implications as a result of that. If you wait and inherit it, you get that stepped up basis. So now your basis is the fair market value of the farm and you won't get hit as hard with capital gains tax. What we typically tell folks is it's always better to inherit than to be gifted assets during your lifetime from a purely tax perspective. Unfortunately, there's other considerations in the mix that make it a little bit more questionable about whether you should gift or whether you should allow someone to inherit.
1: Thank you very much, Jody. I know it's a complex topic, and I really appreciate the way you have given us information on taxes and the gifting and that sort of thing. Jody, I've heard you say before that the biggest threat to the success of a family farm isn't taxes. It's long term nursing care. Help us to better understand the implications of Medicaid, the five year look back, and in relation to farm transitions. That's absolutely true. 30
2: years ago, the biggest threat to family farms were in fact taxes. And now it is long-term nursing care. There's kind of a couple ways to look at this. And the real issue has to do with the Medicaid program. Now this is Medicaid with a D, not Medicare. That's a whole, that's the whole health insurance, but Medicaid is what will pay for your nursing home care. If you medically qualify and if you don't have assets to pay for your nursing home care on your own. And there's kind of two parts to this conversation. One is qualifying for Medicaid, and the other one is what's called the estate recovery program, which is where the state tries to get reimbursed for anything that they've paid on somebody's behalf that was on Medicaid. So if we look at the first half, which is kind of the qualifying, who qualifies for Medicaid, just a real brief, again, overly simplified version of what the program is. When somebody goes into a nursing home, they'll do what's called a resource assessment, which is basically a snapshot of what does that person own? And based on that snapshot, they'll determine whether or not that person will qualify for Medicaid. And if not, how much of their own money do they have to spend down in order to qualify for Medicaid? When they look at the resources that are available to pay for near nursing home care, there are some resources that are not considered to be available resources. So, for example, your primary residence, a car. And this is the big one. Income producing property is not considered to be available to pay for your nursing home care. That means that nobody's going to come knocking on the, the farmhouse door and say, hey, you have to sell the, the farm to pay for grandma's nursing home care. It doesn't work that way. If it's income-producing property, that income will have to be put towards her nursing home care, but the asset will not have to be sold. Everything won't have to be sold to pay for nursing home care. Someone can, in fact, qualify for Medicaid and still own income-producing property. The problem comes in when that person passes away. When that person passes away, any assets that go through their estate will be subject to the estate recovery program of Pennsylvania's Department of Human Services. And this is where they want to be reimbursed. So if Medicaid was paid and they paid $40,000 of nursing home care, Well, then they'll put a lien against the estate to be reimbursed $40,000 of nursing home care. Someone, the family, if they want to retain the assets of the person that passed away, would need to come up with the funds to pay that estate recovery lien. Some people say, oh, okay, well, then we don't want that person to die owning the farm. So let's just gift it. We'll just give it away or we'll sell it for a dollar. Everybody thinks, oh, if I just sell it for a dollar, if I, if I call it a sale, that's still technically a gift. And the problem with gifting it all away is that when someone fills out a Medicaid application and that application is filled out after they've run out of money. So they're out of money and they need somebody to pay for the nursing home care. Now they file an application with Medicaid. One of the questions on that application is this, have you made a gift? within the previous five years? If the answer is, why yes, I have, there's a calculation that is done that determines how long the nursing home resident is ineligible to receive Medicaid benefits because of that gift. Essentially, they divide the value of the gift by the average monthly nursing home cost. And then that tells you for how many months that nursing home resident is ineligible for Medicaid. And because at the time of that calculation, the nursing home resident has already run out of money, you're then in a situation of somebody is going to have to pony up the money and pay for that ineligibility period. Once the ineligibility period runs, then of course the nursing home resident gets on medicaid and their monthly bills are paid for that way so it's always this question of well if you're making a gift you want to make sure that you gift it at least 5 years before somebody's going to need medicaid well who knows when that is
1: thank you Jody i know those the taxes and the medicaid they're both very complex subjects and we really appreciate you walking us through a basic understanding You've worked with plenty of families transitioning farms over your career. What have you found are the keys to successful transition?
2: Darlene, I think you're going to maybe talk about this in one of your podcasts and you do such a good job helping families with this topic, but it really is communication, communicating with everybody that's involved and whether that means even those that are off the farm so that they know that this is really something that mom and dad want, you know, that they want the farm to stay intact and they want it to go to the next generation to continue farming, having those open and honest conversations. It's hard. But I think it's so important. That's one. I think the other one is paying attention to the detail and following through. It is so easy for folks to get weary and fatigue with the transition process because of some of the hard decisions that have to be made. People don't want to hurt other people's feelings. They love all their kids the same, but it's impossible to treat all of their kids the same or equally. And this is where that whole concept of fair doesn't mean equal comes in. But the ones that are unsuccessful are the ones that don't finish. They, they get halfway through and then they want to avoid the hard conversations. They want to avoid some of the hard realities and they don't complete it. And then it's a mess. Or they don't include all of their kids in the conversations about, look, this is what I wanted. This is what I want to do. These are my intentions. Some folks get a surprise then after the mom or dad passes away. Now relationships are damaged because some people are questioning the people's intent And then the last one I would say is a key to a successful transition is starting early. And when I mean start early, I mean, don't wait till the the patriarch is 70 years old. Start early. And if it feels like, oh, this is too early, well, you're probably starting on time because it takes a while and there needs to be some mentorship between the older generation and the younger generation.
1: I would agree with everything you said, Jody, and and as you know, I have worked through a transition with our senior generation for our farm. And I will fully admit we started too late. I always like to say we started too late, but we did do it. But but your points are are right on from my experiences. So I really appreciate that. Your insights and and your assistance um, in helping our farmers learn more about the best practices. As a final sign-off question... As part of our podcast series, we are asking all of our guests the same question. What is one piece of advice farm families should remember while embarking on a family farm transition?
2: I would probably say to assemble a team of trusted advisors that you're comfortable with, that are comfortable with each other to help guide you through this process and to maybe give you that little push when you do get tired or you don't want to have that hard conversation. Somebody who can just kind of give you a little nudge to kind of help you get you over the finish line.
1: I think that's great advice, and I know sometimes those people can help address the hard questions that are hard to ask each other. So maybe that third party can be helpful in that method as well. So that's great. Jody. we are grateful for your willingness to share your time and expertise with others. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: The legal aspect of farm transition is such an important topic. Thanks to Jody for helping us understand the implications of Medicaid, taxes, and more during this podcast. Jody's recommendation to form a team of advisors to assist in the transition process can especially be a great first step for many farm families beginning this process. To learn more about the mission of Pennsylvania FarmLink, visit pafarmlink.org. Thanks for joining us for this series as Farm Credit and Pennsylvania Farm Link help support our farm families with key insights and knowledge to navigate their future. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, plus subscribe and share it with a friend. As always, you can head over to agchoice.com podcasts to view the transcript and listen to other episodes. To catch all the latest from us, follow along on Facebook and Instagram at AgChoiceFarmCredit.